As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to From the Rookerin, a podcast about a life following Watford Football Club brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John, with me is Mike. Ho, ho, home win. <laughs> and Jason. Good morning. And uh, it is, as Jason, the morning after Watford won 1-0 at home and beating Norwich City. Uh, that keeps us happy at Christmas time, which is very important at the moment. Mike, you were at the game. You were yes. in the stadium. Uh, yes. There were meant to be 2,000 other Watford fans in there with you, but fortunately we're, we're not doing that at the moment. What was it like in there? How is it different? You've, you've been there for every game. You've been there first lockdown, end of the Premier League, the, you know, the whole Ivich era. What was it like, though? Was it, was it different at all? Yeah, I mean, the Boxing, Boxing Day games are always slightly different in terms of everyone's in in quite a good mood I don't know whether it's because people are happy to be out of the house and under the away from under the bundles of wrapping paper or just happy to see each other there is always a a slightly elevated mood at a boxing day game I find but that was definitely the case yesterday not just sort of for the the lucky few that were there but once the once the game started the whole mood just seemed better and the the one thing the big takeaway that I took from it lads was the fact that it was just noisier um the the new head coach was very was very very noisy but also the subs uh, and the support staff it was just it was everything was elevated everything was lifted and when and when the goal went in i mean it's this is pushing the point a little bit but it's almost as if there was was a small crowd in there there was a real you know there was a roar when that when the goal went in and i think it's been noticeable in previous matches last season and the start of this season it's been very very quiet without any crowd it, it may feel like it's stating the obvious but some teams have turned up and they're up and the bench has been very very noisy very animated and and Watford's never really has been and that definitely that was that was really noticeable yesterday the head coach himself was um was very effusive very animated and and i thought there was more talking on the pitch as well actually there was seemed to be you know i've bemoan the lack of uh, of people not taking responsibility on the pitch but there was lots of shouting from troy as you'd expect and actually someone who um has come in for a, a bit of criticism from me well for sustained periods really etienne capu he was actually sort of it sort of raised his game from the audio stakes as well so it it just felt like the mood had shifted and that manifested itself in, in just the sound. It was just more upbeat. It was more um, optimistic and it was more like you'd expect a team playing football to be. You know what it's like when you if you walk past a park um, and there's matches going on, you know that there's a match going on before you get there because you can hear all the shouting, you can hear all the sort of encouragement, all the sort of winding each other up and stuff. And it, it, you, that wasn't really there at Watford previously. And yesterday it just felt... It felt like more fun. He is the absolute opposite of you, isn't he, Michael? Anyway, <laughs> maybe, hey, maybe Watford, Watford players have been playing in the mould of Ivic, and so have you. And maybe now <laughs> we'll be podcasting in the mould of Cisco Munoz. Let's talk about the game, though, Jason. 
you know, going into the game against Norwich, having had what we've, having had what's happened in the last, you know, week, I, you know, my expectations were fairly low in terms of getting three points from the game. Of course, that's what we always wanted. But it was more important to see an attitude change uh, and, and just get an idea about how, you know, how the new man's going to set himself up uh, and set his team up. What did you get from that first half? Defensively, I thought we defended quite narrow, almost to the point I was a little bit worried for uh, for Ngakia down the left-hand side because he had Aarons and Cantwell sort of bombing at him. And Ken Semmer was, uh, had sort of drifted quite central at times to, to defend. And I was sort of worried that, that the fullbacks were going to get exposed and sort of overloaded. But actually, we dealt with things very, very well from a defensive point of view. The, the midfield dropped quite deep and we sort of set up a, a, a good low block to to prevent Norwich from really creating anything certainly in that first half Foster wasn't tested at all and then the attacks it was it was fast it was forward and, and the goal summed it up nicely it was Kapoor I think started it coming away with the ball and he ran forward with the ball and then he passed the ball forward into space. It was it was something we've not seen all season. I think I'd like to, to make a point about the front two as well. We were probably quite surprised to see a, a front two yesterday. We'd been told that uh, Munoz likes to play 4-2-3-1. was fully expecting to see that. I, I did wonder when I saw the line-up if he was going to do that and play Gray in a deeper role. But... Um, that wouldn't have suited him at all. Thankfully, he sort of played him as a as a front two. And just a point on on Gray. Again, some of the basic stuff he didn't do so well. His his main job is to score goals, and he had chances that he probably should have done better with. But I thought he did a good job of running the channels. His work off the ball yesterday deserves some credit. His role in the goal deserves some credit. Haven't we been saying that a lot about him, though? <laughs> Haven't we been saying that for like four years almost? We do, we, we do but yeah. I, I think he was, he was an important part of the of the lineup yesterday. And, and obviously you've asked me about the team, but just mm. sort of raising a point on the individual here. With his runs off the ball, he was moving the Norwich defence about a bit, creating space, creating opportunities for the midfield to play a quick ball up to him or Troy as well. Troy was sort of dropping deeper to pick the ball up and then sort of looking for Andre's runs and sort of played it into space for him to run onto. And in the goal, he... he made the run, got the ball, realised, sort of held it up, had two men on him, realised he needed to play the pass, got the pass right, and obviously then Kapu plays to Sema, who once again, it's Ken, down the left, putting in a decent cross um, for that the, took the the, um, the goalie and the defender out. Obviously took a bit of a deflection, it was a bit of luck, but there was Saar at the back post. Again, a winger coming in when the ball's on the opposite side, supporting the uh, the front two, getting into the box. So that you've got numbers in the box. Again, that was a good thing and a key thing from yesterday that I picked up on. Um, and we got the goal. And it, yeah, it was it was good. We started, I thought we started on the front foot. We were keen to get the ball forward quickly, as evidenced by the goal. We had to weather a, a little bit of a Norwich storm. We know Norwich like to play possession football and they did that sort of during the middle of the first half. But we sort of overcame that and then went again, towards the end of the first half and, and got the rewards with the goal. If the Watford merchandising team are listening, <laughs> once again, it's Ken. That has to be a T-shirt, surely. If it was the WWE, they've had that on a T-shirt and printed and, and, and available by now. What a line that is. I would say, I, I think well, we've mentioned Andre Gray. Let's let's box him off now, I think, because he's obviously, he, he's better than the output we're getting from him. We know, we know that. We've seen him for Brentford. We've seen him for uh, for Burnley doing... But never for do, Watford. Doing okay. And he, his Watford career so far, let's face it, is a bust for a whole a whole number of reasons. But as Jason said, there are little glimpses, and at the moment they are only little glimpses, of that there is still a decent footballer there. And the head coaches are putting him in. You know, Munoz has come in and, and given him the nod to, to start the game. So he's obviously doing something in training to get in ahead of, let's say, for example, Stipe Perica, who a lot of supporters have been impressed with. So he is doing stuff. And as Jason articulately put there, he he did well in, in certain bits. He What he's obviously lacking, and, and, and this may be... People may dismiss this because of the sort of character that I think we perceive Andre Gray to be. Um, I mean, you know, we've all drawn our own conclusions over the past couple of months and years about the, the sort of character he is. He's a, a, a striker who is not scoring goals and is therefore lacking in confidence. 
and I still maintain if he can score, you know, two in one, then then get another one. I think he may well be off to the races again because he he, he found himself in decent in decent um, he, he fought out decent opportunities yesterday, and I, th- I think he snatched at them. You know, he put one into the side netting when when really he should have scored, and I think that speaks to him lacking in in confidence, which. I think people are probably shying away from saying because of who who he is and what what he seems to be like as a person. But I, I do I, I've still got this little kernel of hope for him, um, and I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear Jason sort of being positive about him because I I don't want to I don't want to give up on him completely. You're right as well, John. You know his Watford career so far has not been good. You know I think someone did the math, sort of tot- totting up the transfer fee and the wages we'd have paid him and. You know he is not good value for money at the moment, but he's obviously showing something to get into the into that team, and I, I really hope it clicks. And I hope you know this potentially is the last chance saloon you'd have thought with a new head coach coming in again. But I'd like to see I'd like to see him be be successful after everything that's happened. You know it, that's happened. We've made our uh, our thoughts on it clear. I've made my my thoughts on it clear. That won't change. But from a footballing point of view, I'd still like to see him be successful because I think he could be helpful for Watford. You know, he wasn't a success, but one of the big successes, I suppose, we, we might see in that game was the defence because mm. your first message, the WhatsApp group, Mike, when that came out, wasn't particularly positive. And in fact, I went a little bit more, you know, negative about it when you see how they set up because it was Sierra Alta and Wilmot in, in the middle, but Ngakia yeah. and Kiko weren't in the right places or normal places no absolutely and when you know i have to my my job for opta i have to i have to call the um call the uh, formation before the before the game that's part of the part of the job and i had them on the other side i had ngakia on the right and Firminia on the on the left um so that that caught the eye once once they actually started um i thought ngakia did really well for the most part I think towards the end um, when he was substituted I think he was hanging on the in there a little bit I think it, when you're playing out of position I think it takes that um, extra degree of confidence doesn't it which is which can be energy sapping you know that the mental side of it he's had to be a hundred percent switched on throughout and I think he was just um, perhaps tiring a little bit when when Messina came on and crikey who knows what would have happened if that switch hadn't have happened um, we'll no doubt come come to talk about Adam Messina Messina um, a bit a bit later on. So Ngakia did really well, but a, a massive shout out to the to, to the centre backs, Sierra Alta and Wilmot. You did think, oh crikey, that's a partnership that hasn't played together in, in the centre at all for Watford. Sierra Alta has hardly played for Watford at all. We're coming up against, um, I think Norwich had won five in a row and hadn't hadn't failed to score in 10 games so pretty potent going forward high on confidence coming up against a centre-back pairing who hadn't played together for Watford I was like Ugh, this could go one of two ways luckily it, it went our way and that's largely down to a commanding performance from from both of them I thought Sierra Alta was absolutely dominant I thought he looked really good he didn't really put a, a put, put a foot wrong throughout and I wonder whether when Bill, Ben Wilmot's played in 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 as part as a, a three centre back um trio sometimes he looks like he's been pulled out of position a little bit and that that worried me to to a degree but i thought yesterday perhaps playing in a in a centre back pairing it made his job a little bit more straightforward because you know where you're going to be you don't have to think too much about it you've got your area to deal with you've got your you know what's expected of you a little bit more defined than when you're playing in a three and you know ben wilmot's a footballer i think he i think he, he he's a really really adaptable good player with a good footballing brain a good touch and and I thought as a pairing they were great what I spoke to my brother after the game and he said look you didn't notice them you didn't think oh they're doing well or they look you know they're doing okay for a for a pairing that's been cobbled together I thought they were absolutely fantastic throughout and 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 Kiko on on the right was was brilliant as always again really really making a stake in a serious claim for player of the season for me already but so yeah after those initial concerns looking at the team sheet that initial sort of moment of scratching the head with Ngakia on the left you know after minute one those 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 fears were almost were dispelled almost immediately which I think is um a me let be less negative before the, the game has kicked off <laughs> but more importantly credit to credit to to those to the back four I thought they were absolutely terrific throughout and let's you know we let's not labor the point this is a Watford podcast but this was this was a Norwich team who's top of the league 
they haven't not scored for five games, so they've scored it for ten games. They've scored in all of their last ten games, um, and have won five. So for for us to sort of limit them to to what we did, how many how many saves did Ben Foster have to make? He had to be commanding a couple of times, come and clear clear his lines. But did he have to make? a save he wasn't extended there were no Kodak moments for the GoPro were there so <laughs> absolutely I thought it was I thought it was a, a really really great great performance from that from that back four which is not a back four and not a sort of uh, lineup that you'd have expected um, when we woke up yesterday Jason the thing is and Mike's mentioned it in a couple of uh, podcasts particularly in the last one you know, the number of complete games that Watford have had this season have been minimal we've had a good half either be the first half or the second half but that second half did you learn anything from it did you, did you, or did you see anything different from this Watford squad it was almost a sort of tailor two halves for me there was a clear point late on in the game where we decided right we've we've got this wrapped up we're gonna we're gonna start sitting deeper um and i think i say game of two halves i think it was around the 73rd minute or something like that, that i noticed it all of a sudden we were we were starting to drop off before we had sort of chosen our moments when to press high and when to sort of drop and defend from the halfway line all of a sudden now we seem to sort of dropping beyond the center circle and sort of defending from from that point and just sort of really sort of soaking up the up the pressure which i guess worried me a little bit because you always worry when uh when your team sort of sits back to defend regardless of the uh, of what the score is even more so when it's when it's a one goal lead um but i thought we still actually created moments on the break um mm. Paris has won he probably want to watch back, want to watch back himself. Um, I think went he the wrong way, didn't still, he? Yeah, still a little bit cold. Maybe should have taken the um, taken the shot rather than go round the keeper, gave the uh, defender the chance to get back in and, and clear the ball. Um, but yeah, I, I say I was worried about the defending, but actually, it we did the job really well and again it was sort of that low block the midfielders coming back to help we've talked about the quality of the um the centre-back partnership that we saw yesterday which i think obviously was the only centre-back pairing really that we had left to, to mm. choose from also the fact that they are both very young i think i've just worked out that if you had the two ages together of sierra Alta and wilmot they're still younger than me <laughs> that's not that hard uh, Jace. probably the case of the entire back four in it jason <laughs> Careful, careful. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, they, they 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 carried on that excellent first half they had. They carried on into the second half and, and just defended really well. The midfielders helping out as well, cleverly, uh, and Capu dropping in. Where we've been told Munoz is is a very attacking coach, and you can see he does like to get the ball forward quickly. He still is able to set the team up to defend, and like Mike said, this is a. a the best side in the division currently the table presumably doesn't lie they are capable of scoring goals they've got quality in Puki, in Cantwell in Buendia we saw him sort of running at, mm-hmm. at players in abundance yesterday he is a superb player mm-hmm. they've got they, they can attack from the back with players like Aaron's and we dealt with it pretty comfortably the only point where we had to sort of sort of that desperate bit of defending that last ditch tackle that was needed was that one from Messina and what a pair of football boots he has. I And that one little exercise boot made he could just poke that ball out of the way of Pookie. But I suppose I want to say, Mike, that that tackle does sum up that second half for me in terms of yeah. it felt battling. I said at the start that the mood felt happier. Um, the whole game felt happier. And I have to say the second half... If that's if that first, if the first twenty minutes of the second half is a precursor as to what we're going to get from um, this Cisco side, I cannot wait. I, f- I found the first twenty minutes of the second half absolutely exhilarating. I thought we were all over Norwich. Jace has done a great job of explaining what a you know what what talent they have, and 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 that's true. But I thought Watford, you know, came wave after wave after wave, and yeah, we didn't create as much as perhaps we would have liked from from the, the the level of momentum we had but i think after 20 minutes we had eight or nine corners in the in the second half and it was pretty relentless and the, the only slightly disappointing thing was that we didn't we didn't we weren't able to convert it and and translate that into into better chances but it really was 
Watford were really on the front foot. You, you just asked Jace what the difference was there, and it was. It's, it's probably it's, it's easy to say it, but they were playing with the with the handbrake off a little bit. They were just playing with confidence. They had a little bit of swagger about them, and it's that swagger that we've been waiting to see all season because you know, this is a decent Watford side, and they finally, finally started to to show it. Um, so, for, for tw- as Jason rightly said, they did sort of revert to let's see the game out mode after a while, after not not managing to go t- to go two goals ahead. Um, but both, you know, both elements of that are are fine because they they're the complete. It wasn't the complete performance. It's still a long way to go. But that's that's great. Give it a, at least if you're going to shut up shop, give it a real good go first. And they absolutely did that. And then when they were were did decide they were going to try and keep it tight, they managed to do so. And you know, as Jason rightly said, towards the end with a, with a, with a, with a better ball here and there and a, and a slightly clearer cooler finish they could have they could have been two or three nil up and, and out of sight before the final whistle but yeah that, I mean you said battling John and I think that that's right but they were battled without it being too chaotic you know there was a lot of a lot of Norwich pressure towards the end but Ben Foster didn't have to to, to make a save they had a couple of they were restricted to pot shots really from from distance they had a lot of ball in and around the penalty area but they dealt with it pretty well especially considering the sort of the players that are really really handy with the ball at their feet you know Buendia um, and Aaron's in particular where they've got the ball at their feet and moving forward you think oh this is this is going to be problematic and I thought when Messina first came on I thought he looked a little bit wary of of Max Aaron's and he does that thing with puts his hands behind his back straight away when he's defending and I thought come on concentrate on the ball don't worry about it being a handball but he quickly got into and can I just say about Adam Messina what a splendid look shirt uh, socks tucked uh, in tucked in yeah, tucked in love it Adam shorts up good lad it was like I was like yes sir that is a defender who is uh, who is born to do the job um, and he you know I thought he they, he he slotted into a defence that we've already mentioned did really well and ultimately a two point saving saving tackle it was absolutely phenomenal even when you know there was two Norwich correspondents in front of me and they were sort of up in arms about the about how it should have been a penalty and then the uh, the replay came on the screens and they're like oh um, well, just <laughs> I mean as John said it's you know the the, the, the boot size less or or you know, a split, split, split second less, uh, you know, if he'd have had one sprout more for his um, Christmas lunch and was moving that a little bit slower, it would have been a, it would have been a penalty and a, or, or at least a certain goal. So that's what you need to, 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 to get through, to get these results against, like you say, John, the best, or John Jason, the best team in the league at this moment. Everyone needs to be on it for the whole time. And I think bringing that substitution on, credit to, to Munoz for, for, for doing it, gets, making that switch, got his reward with a with that fantastic t- tackle and some really, really good defending. So but I have to be honest, I can't, half expected them to sort of sneak an equaliser somehow. But then coming away from the, the ground, I sort of chastised myself a little bit. and thought, well, actually, they didn't get that big chance that you'd expect. You know, it's always going to be kitchen sink time for the last five, ten minutes. It was five minutes of, of, of injury time at the end but they didn't really that chance never came did they and I think that is credit to, to Watford and if you add it into that first 20 minutes of the of that second half it was it was a real joy to watch and I, I you know I, I skipped away from Vicarage Road last night I thought it was I thought it was terrific uh, worth a uh, mention though uh, Jason uh, the goal was by Ismail Azar he was in the game a bit more and I think, at least at the end, there was a smile. Yeah, I'd in the game more, and probably because we were playing more to his strengths. I, I talked about how we defended narrow. Football is a very simple game, and we attacked very wide as well, I thought, which, which suits our get him on the outside, um, let him run at players. Ken was doing down, the same down the left. Uh, even Cleverly was, was getting wide as well. He was sort of... When Kiko wasn't creating an overlap for Saar, I cleverly did it a couple of times instead. Gave um, Saar either support to to play down the wing with or to drag a man away to give him space to attack. So, yeah, I think he will be pleased with the way we played because it suited him more. He will be pleased with his performance. Uh, I think I'm right in remembering that, that um, Sky gave him the Man of the Match award as well. So it backs that up. And then at the end, yes, yeah, smile on his face, as did all of the Watford contingent mm-hmm. on the sideline, I think. 
Yeah, there's a lot of back slapping uh, going on, but more importantly, there were a lot of smiles. Um, did that sort of uh, energy come up to the uh, the press area, Mike? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, huge, huge cheer went up when the when the final whistle went, and yeah, the just mood was just was was high. It was just there was energy, there was positivity, there was just everything that had really had been had been lacking previously. And and I don't think we can labour the point too much at all that. Getting Ismail Assar into the game is going to be integral if we can get to get this Watford side ticking. And he 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 had much more space to run into. He still didn't do it perfectly, and and opposition teams are, are very going to be wise to him, so are going to make it difficult. But we got him moving down that flank much more. They do they switch over occasionally, and I don't think they make the most of that when they when they do switch positions to try and uh, to, to to try and take advantage of that. But yeah, I think it was the mood at the end. I mean, I, just before I finish on a positive note, I will say could do without Etienne Capoue trying to get sent off. I think in the Premier League, he probably would have <laughs> yes. seen red for, yeah. with, with a VAR check on that. I, I don't think it was as intentional. I'm going to even cut him some slack. I don't think it was as intentional as I'm led to believe they they said on the TV. I think he was trying to trying to get the ball. He's got those long, rangy legs and tried to uh, snaffle the ball and managed to, <laughs> managed to not, didn't he? Let's face it, it didn't, it didn't look good at all. And I think if you look at that slowed down on VAR, the chances are he may well have seen red. And probably if, if he didn't, they might have had a look at the, the little tug um, for a second yellow. So he could have done without that, but let's, let's move on from that quickly. And, and just look, it's the, the energy is there and, and everything that we've said has been lacking, that in, intent, is, has been so important for me. We've been so passive in so many games this season against inferior opposition. Um, and I thought last night against the team that's top of the table, they showed intent, they were fearless, they stuck to their task impressively and, and at the end they were rightly cock-a-hoop. Now they need to do that again and again and again and again. And the more they do it, confidence should build. They should all feed off it. It's a good, powerful, strong talented squad um, and, and and if they can bring the, the we've talked about p- perhaps there being attitude issues within the squad well if they can turn that round then the, there's every chance let's not get too carried away it's one result uh, one performance they have got a rest now hopefully they can they can build on it it's only one game but what a game it was and yeah the, the mood at the end was was high and that has been that has been missing and if that can be the catalyst to more performances like that then I am going to be one happy camper thank goodness <laughs> from the rookery end a podcast about life following Watford FC uh, looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24/7 US based live customer service from Discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. If you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you might have already read the articles that uh, Adam has put up there about the new manager. Cisco Munoz, uh, you can read both those if you're a subscriber. If you're not a subscriber, uh, then you can go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end to get a subscription. You get one and you can give another one to a friend. Uh, There's an article, first one he put out, though, with a, a classic athletic article to go for a good old deep dive and investigation into uh, one topic and this topic of course Adam had to look into the new man himself Mike caught up with him before the game to find out what Adam had found during his investigation 
Boxing Day at a windy Vicarage Road and the club have their own Christmas present in the shape of a new manager, head coach, don't they, Adam? They do indeed. You've written a piece on him, available now in The Athletic, but from your extensive research, from digging around about the, about the new man, I'm going to let you pronounce his name, Shishko Munoz. Yeah, that was very good. Thank you very much. I uh, got a uh, Duolingo subscription for Christmas. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing you found out about him during your little dig around about uh, Shishko? I've, I've actually heard that Duolingo is going to be our next head coach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. This has been from the record. <laughs> the first thing that's worth sticking a flag in is that, yeah, I wrote a, a background piece on him and we learnt, you know, at the time that Vladimir Ivich was going to be sacked some initial thoughts about his his background and obviously we learn about him being a player and and all that sort of stuff and his recent experience in Georgia which I think and I I wanted to say that that there was a lot of sort of negativity towards his lack of experience at the beginning people were saying oh you know he's only had 11 games in Georgia and all that sort of stuff but he, he was actually head coach for the season before that when he was partnering with another Spanish guy he had the, the better licence, so it was sort of his name on the papers almost. So he's won back-to-back titles. He came back in the middle of last season, which finished earlier on this month. So that's when those 11 games came. But I just found it a little bit sort of irritating that people were going, oh, you know, he's only had this amount of games. I wonder whether it's a bit... I wonder there's a bit of fatigue both amongst Watford supporters and the wider sort of football-watching world. You know, outside Vicarage Road, it's very much a case of here we go again. And no, really, eyebrows aren't really raised that much these days. Whoever comes in, it could be... You know, it could be the, the baby Jesus fresh from Christmas Day and I don't think many people would, uh, would raise an eye around. But I think, I think Watford supporters, we've talked about the disconnect about not being at the ground. You know, the majority of Watford supporters will never have seen a Vladimir Ivich yeah. side play. So it's kind of difficult to get, get too excited. So I do understand it, but it's, it's a really valid point. This is a, he's a serious operator, isn't he? What was, so is there a little, a little nugget that you found out about, about our man? Well, th- there, is, there are a couple. The, the thing that I was going to say before I meandered off onto another path, <laughs> as I usually do, is that we, you know, we spoke to him this week. And you know, I think that the overriding thing from him is that it's, it's, it's light and shade between him and um, Vladimir Ivich. And I, f- I find it quite challenging, actually, speaking about Vladimir Ivich in such a negative way because I actually I actually quite liked him I thought there was a great sort of honesty to him and integrity to him I think it, it ended up that he was sort of sucking the fun out of, of things a little bit too much but I also had quite a lot of sympathy for him the fact that he was thrown into a very difficult situation but you know the, the, the point is we got to speak to Munoz and yeah he's he's just got a smile on his face and I think that, that makes the world of world of difference going back to some sort of little bits that I found out about him which are a little bit off the beaten track the fact that he keeps horses at home in his home in Mallorca he was born in the same place as Rafa Nadal absolutely no relevance whatsoever <laughs> if he's good at tennis that's great that he he seems to exude a, a person that exude characteristics of someone that enjoys sunshine enjoys fun enjoys oh, oh dear <laughs> we're, well, just, yeah. we're in the midst of storm birth or whatever it's called exactly but he's just got that sunny disposition sure. and you know the, I think we might have mentioned it before but it, it just seemed towards the end of the, the Ivic era they were playing in his image hopefully this side now can, can play in the image of Chisco Munoz because he has got experience at a lower level in Spain already he's got you know more experience yes at a lesser league in Georgia but they were still playing European football and things like that so he has experience of being in a dressing room. And I spoke to the communications officer at Dynamo Tbilisi and he had so much positivity about the way that he dealt with, you know, not only the media, but just the way that he dealt with everyone, in particular, connecting with the players, you know, taking time to understand them, not just as players, not just as entities, not just as a right back, not just as someone that's just going to hold there and not do this, but more about who they are. And I think, you know, look, Ivic was a former player, of course, and he, he, has that, he has that understanding and he talked about psychology as well. But Munoz seems to um, enjoy being more of a, a player's manager. Do you think that might be something that caught Gino's eye in terms, of the, in terms of the recruitment? I think so. You know, they wanted someone that was young and enthusiastic. You know, Ivic was young, it's just he wasn't that enthusiastic. That's the, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean... And again, I, I go back. I don't. I don't want to be sort of harsh and personal on him because you know he's a, he's a human being and he's a he's a family guy and all that sort of stuff. But it's just it wasn't the right marriage, was it? It just didn't didn't quite work out. And you know what we want to see now 
is Watford going out, going toe-to-toe with oppositions, not being too conscious of who they're playing. And hopefully that enthusiasm and that motivation that he brings with him, you know, the fact that he likes music in the dressing room, he likes players being able to relax a little bit in the in the training ground, which was sort of, you know, pushed to the side under Ivic. I think, you know, all these things, just to make it a bit more feel-good. And that's that's all you can ask. You know, it's, a, it's been a, an absolutely... Searches for a, a non-swear word, year 2020... Hopefully the players are now coming into work. They've got someone greeting them with a smile on their face. Yes, they're going to be demanded of. They're going to have demands put on them. But they're going to be told to go out there and enjoy it and not hopefully be constrained on the football pitch. He will need a little bit of time to get his, you know, his, get his, his uh, philosophy out on the pitch. But I think in general, if it's pass the ball forward, go for it, take a gamble. You know, fortune favours the brave. And, and that's hopefully the, the ethos that he puts, puts out onto the pitch. So to sum up, a more cheery disposition, more into putting an arm around the players, getting to understand what, the, what, what makes the players tick and perhaps getting on the, on the front foot. And you mentioned in the piece you're liking him a little bit to Gianfranco Zola in that regard, which, you know, put a spring in my step a little bit because obviously it didn't end well under Gianfranco, but that's what started the, the, the Zola coaster, started the, the joyous part of the, the Pozzo regime, didn't it? Rafa Benitez, another yeah. big name linked to this guy. He had a few things to say uh, about him as well, didn't he? Yeah, and, it, you know, I think that that sort of shows that Yes, whilst he's sunny and happy and shiny and, you know, fun and laughs, there is, you know, a strong association with a, a very highly thought of tactician, technician of the game in Rafa Benitez. And he calls him sort of his, his inspiration. If you've played under a, a manager like that as well, you don't just throw caution to the wind at all costs. It's not going to be like Blackpool when they're in the Premier League and losing 5-4 and all that sort of stuff. But it's going to allow the team to go forward with the right balance, hopefully. Yes, he, he spoke about him. He said, you know, he was always very dependable. He was in a Valencia side that was a very strong side at that point. So he wasn't always in the team, but he always thought highly of him. And, you know, he got in touch with him when he found out he's going to get the job as well. So, you know, he's got friends in solid places as well. And, and hopefully, over time, it sort of reminds me a little bit of when Kike first came in. And Ian Wright said on uh, Match of the Day, oh, there's a new sheriff in town. I'm hoping that there's going to be that feel around Chisco. And the same as when Zola finally got to grips with it. You could imagine, and I go back to another article I did on, on The Athletic when I spoke to Nathaniel Shalabar, and he was saying how he would always practice, you know, free kicks with them. And he would invariably be, be better than... I mean, we know how bad Watford are in free kicks. There's another, link, there's another article on The Athletic about that. I could just sort of picture it a little bit more. Maybe we're getting a bit sort of rose-tinted already. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that they've made a change. It's another gamble. It's going to come back to bite them if it doesn't work out. We all know that. But at the end of the day, I've been sort of thinking about it quite a lot. And you see so much vitriol and you see so much sort of animosity towards what, what what's being done at the club and things like that yes it's it's not great it's not great PR but at the end of the day look this is a this is a, this is a game they're trying to put a, a team out there to go and play decent football and enjoy it make it enjoyable for the people watching at home and that wasn't happening and hopefully now got someone in place that's just going to fill it with a little bit more sunshine when, when the fans can't be here you know giving them the, the boot up the bum that they need it's the start of a new era. Let's hope they don't literally throw caution to the wind tonight, because if they do, it will uh, blow back straight into their faces. Uh, wet, windy and wild here at Vicarage Road as the Munoz era gets underway. And after the game, Adam was at the press conference, and we can hear now from what the main man had to say after the 1-0 home win against Norwich City. I'm very happy today, you know. We know today we have a difficult game. I'm very happy, you know, because uh, this is our way, this is our style. The players play like team, the group, they give everything. I'm sure today I'm sleep very good, you know. Also, the last, uh, the last two days in the training was very good. I only I can say congratulations of, of the players, you know, because they give everything. I'm very happy with them because they, they play very hard. This is our way. It's the moment for enjoy today. And also, uh, I spoke with them before the game about this. And it's important when, when you have these important games, it's fight in the first minute and the last minute. OK, I think our fans today stay very happy because uh, it's, uh, they receive these, uh, these three points. This is the way. And the players is uh, continuing like this. 
I'm very happy with them. And repeat, today is the day for say congratulations for the players because we have our chance. We know also where is the, the attack of the Norwich and uh, we want to stop this attack. And I know what we try to have a little push up. And when you have this push up, we recover too much time the ball near of the penalty area of them. And we have the chance, but it doesn't matter. We need to continue and ensure our striker next time we can score more. Sister, describe what the atmosphere was like inside the dressing room at the end of the game. We saw you in the dugout congratulating everyone. Was that energy taken into the dressing room as well? Yeah, it was very good, you know, after the game. I think we have a very good group. And this is important, you know. When everyone has the same way, it's perfect. I repeat another time, I only I can say thank you for the players because they give the maximum. It's important everybody know today was a difficult game and they have a very good reaction, you know. Right now is the moment for enjoy and uh, this, this reaction of the decision room was perfect because also they won't win, won this game like uh, for our fans, you know. Mike, I, I don't know. I, I, from everything we, we've learned about him... I think Adam found out about him. I just thought he'd be like a little tigger in that press conference. I mean, he was positive, but, you know, I just thought he'd be going, hey, everybody, how you doing? <laughs> I th- he, would, he, just, he does exude positivity, and, and it, is, it is one game. And I think Adam makes a really good point and that, that, that people have been a little bit dismissive of him in terms of his his managerial career and well, and his career as a whole, really, it, really. People are very quick to overlook his playing career, which was which is obviously pretty decent. In, a, in Adam's piece, he mentions Rafa Benitez is very, very positive about him. Um, and then, you know, you talk, you talk about managerial careers. Everyone's managerial career starts somewhere. Pep Guardiola hadn't managed somewhere once. Alex Ferguson hadn't managed anywhere of no once. Um, and, and so on and so, so forth. So I think Adam makes a very good point to sort of add a bit of you know respect to his name really um, and I think people are quick to dismiss him and perhaps when you uh, uh, like and I, I know that you're, you're 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 not being serious when you say that job but when you look at his smile you know the, the smiley pictures of him in the lead up to the game Watford supporters like oh yeah I can get behind him in a sort of slightly tongue-in-cheek way but this is he's definitely a serious operator I think everything that we've that Adam found out and, and wrote about and everything that we saw at the game against Norwich indicates that he's you know he's a man with a plan and a man with experience um, and a man who is very very focused on on success he he was very quick to to praise his players I love the fact that um, he's someone that it, it looks like he gets to know his players to work out what what gets them ticking. Um, and all that was borne out. Most importantly, what we see, what we see on the pitch, because I was, couldn't help but think yesterday about all the talking we did about when Vladimir Ivic joined us, and we spoke to people with knowledge of him and, and knowledge of of what he'd done at club level elsewhere, and we were quite positive. So we're there again now, um, but everything sort of straight away. The impact that that Munich seems to seems to have had almost overnight and I know there's a new new manager bounce but it does feel different and I, I love all the all the stuff the stuff that's coming together from the from the two pieces that, that Adam's done one one the pre-match research into, into his career and and then b the, the second one that's out now in the athletic looking about how yesterday uh, how the Norwich game sort of came to, to fruition and and what the what the setup was was like for that so really really encouraging signs I think he's he's Definitely a serious character. He's here to advance his career. He's here to get success. You don't get to where he is in life without without that. And I think the little attention to detail that he has, I think his understanding, I think he might be the answer to, you know, I've spoken about it and I got quite animated in the previous podcast about being concerned about some of these players. They probably obviously need to be managed. If the attitude isn't isn't correct, they need to have that managed out of them. And I think it, as a head coach who, who who takes time to do that, focus on these individual players, work out what they need to, to work at their best, is great. So I think this is you know it's easy to dismiss him as a as a fun character and um, energetic and smiley, and that's great. But make no mistake about it, this is this is a serious operator. I think, and the the early signs. Uh, born out on, in, in the game against Norwich and the, and the pieces that Adam's done on his on his arrival at Watford, um, it looks like it could be a, a, a canny a canny appointment by the Potsos. The point about uh, his playing career is a very good one, actually, Mike, because I 
my fear with our current playing squad is that perhaps some of them think they are bigger than what we already are because they've played in the Premier League. Some of them have played in an FA Cup final. Whereas now you've got mm. an ex-player who was part of a La Liga winning squad, part of yeah. a Europa League winning squad. He actually has made it. He's achieved more in his playing career than these guys. And he can probably have that connect with them from the playing experience side and actually drag them back up to where they need to be. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. It is the end of the year, and I don't know about you, but you know, 2020 was, was a lot about staying inside, and, and especially lockdown one was all about a quiz. So Jason and Mike, as team from the Rooker End, you're taking myself on with 10 questions all about Watford in 2020. Very different ways of gaining points. Uh, maximum score is 66. Let's see how well you, you do on this. Question one comes from January. In the FA Cup, Watford didn't make it past the third round. But how many young Hornets made their debut in the FA Cup this year? You get five points for getting the right number of players. Oh, my gosh. So t- did uh, Deli Bashiru make his debut in that game? I'm, not sure. I'm trying to think of the players that did play that, that worked. So Chalaba played in the first game. Keener played in the first game. The rest of the places were probably taken up by, <laughs> yeah. by kids. And then back, the subs that came on. Back goal, was he? So I reckon if we go something like nine no not that many no because the subs subs as well oh we're counting subs as well and and the replay as well i presume oh yeah good point good point that who that striker plate was on the bench wasn't he sam delby who's the lad that scored the goal the guy that was on the bench last night was featured i reckon hungbo how many how many do you want oh it was nine still too many have i gone in too hard no i reckon you might be right do they, have, do they have to have taken to the field, John? Yes. Oh, okay, then probably. Although the re, the replay as well. Yeah, because that would... Get, let's go with nine, Jace. Let's go with your gut feeling. Yeah. Go on, then. Nine. The answer, ten. Oi! Close. Uh, extra points. Uh, so you don't get any uh, You don't get any points for that round, but uh, I'll give you a bonus oh. point for extra, every player you can name. Bailey Spencer-Adams. Because he was fifty-one, wasn't he? I remember him. Play, he played quite well. I thought there was that. It was the. Was there an ex-Man United guy that we let go in the summer? Dalby was in the squad. I don't know if he played oh. in the first game because uh, I remember being quite excited about that. I know Phillips wasn't there because he was a. He was a Hemel at that time, wasn't he? So what have we said so far? Spencer Adams, yeah. Hungbo, uh, Sam Dalby. Yep, so it's three. God, who scored? Who scored the goal in the replay? I'm I'm really stuck. Uh, well, so the other players it. were. I'm going to give you time. So Tom Delibishiru made his debut in oh, the I first game. I did mention you him. Met, yeah, you did. Oh, mention well, I'll him. give you that yeah. one then. Four. Uh, and of course, he scored the goal uh, in the first game. Uh, Bailey Spencer Adams, Callum Whelan, Mason. That's the Bar- guy from Man United. Callum yep. Whelan. Yeah. Uh, Mason Barrett, uh, mm. Mr. Younger Ju- Wise Junior, played oh, in the second game. Oh God. Hines yeah. scored the goal in the yeah. in the replay. Hungbo. Uh, Bennett's, and of course, as you mentioned, Sam Dolby. Because the one you didn't mention was Jao Pedro. I've had to say. Oh, yeah. Came on, <laughs> on at half time, didn't he, in the first game? Okay, oh. question two. Five points for getting this fully correct. Beating Liverpool. Watford scored three goals against Liverpool in February. Goals from Ismail Azar and Troy Deeney. You might remember it. But however, who were the goal scorers the last time Watford scored three against Liverpool? Nathan Ake. And Eugene Garlo. No, no, it's not. No, no. Because we there, we we it was a three all draw, wasn't it, the season after? Oh yeah. Britos, because he got the last minute equaliser. <laughs> yeah. Oh well well done, Jace. I would have gone for that as well. I forgot about I that. I thought I was gonna get uh, you on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I nearly dived in too early. But like Messina, <laughs> I just got a touch on the ball, I think. Britos got the equaliser, didn't Decore. he? Correct. Yes, I think it was Decore, yep. Yeah. Who got the first? It, Watford, it, we went Troy? ahead. Watford went ahead early, yeah. didn't they? Was it Troy? No. What year was it? It was August 2017. It was it the was 3-3 Silver. opening game of the season. Marco Silva season. Um, I'm just trying to picture it now. Because Salah, that was well, was that Salah's first game? Yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. And we, oh, and we went 2-1 up 
pretty quickly afterwards. I know who it was. Go on. Akaka. Correct. Yes. Oh, <laughs> there was a Because I, I, I can remember exactly where I was. I was on a lounger uh, in France. <laughs> Uh, watching Arlo thunder down some water flume, which is far too big for a boy his age at that time. Uh, yeah, not exactly a question about this last year, but it, it was related. I tried to think of another way. Good question. <laughs> yeah, thank well you. Yeah. Question three: 2020 has been about fixture congestion, but which month did Watford play the most number of games? And I will include cup games. I wonder if it was post lockdown. It's got a bit. Is it December? Um, or, 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 or ah, and it could be it could be September because we had all the League Cup games and it was I think it was almost. So we, what happened post lockdown? We had Leicester. We played nine games post lockdown, but what month were they in? That was June and July, wasn't it? It was across two months. July? Could it be July? Premier League, we you don't tend to play. It's one a week, really, isn't it? As a as a rule, four maybe yeah. five in a month. What did you say, Jay? September. I said December or September. We was that the start of the season, September, when we'd have played league, league cup, league, league cup. We would then we then have had another league. We've had a gap because we didn't obviously we we missed out on a cup game and we didn't play cup. We didn't play cup first round either, so we'd have missed out there maybe. I just wonder if it's December because it's we've played. We've been what week midweek? What this December? This is bit. I think this is the only December in 2020, if I remember rightly. I'm going to push you for an answer now. Okay. Yeah, let's go December then. This December. Is correct. Well done, oh. Jay. Good luck. Yeah, it was close. January we played six games. Uh, July we played six games. And uh, October we played six games. Uh, but, of course, December was seven. And, of course, it should have been eight. Question four. I'm going to give you five points for being spot on, two points being one either side. Transfers. In the two transfer windows of 2020, how many Watford players were signed on loan or permanently altogether in both those windows? Pesetto. He was January, wasn't he? Correct. And Gakia, Pericha. I guess Pedro counts. Does, he, does, it, does that count? Because that's when he, he could have He does count, bonus. yes. Well right. done, Jace. Glenn Murray. If anyone oh, yeah, remembers well him. Done. Yeah. Sierra Alta. Yeah. You get extra points. For each one of these, I'll give you an extra point. For William Troost Econ. Oh, yeah. I think that's seven so far, isn't it? Uh, who else? Let's think about the team. Who's new? Who's new? Uh, James Garner. Oh, well done. Ken doesn't count, does he? No. So you've named me eight players there, and you'll get a point for each one of those. Uh, but I want you to see if you can try and tell me how many... In total, do you think we signed? See, not eight, because otherwise you wouldn't have said it like that. Well, we might be might be bluffing. Well, I can't think of any more. Remember, this is all the signings that the club have made. Ah, well, the manager? No, 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 players. Any youngsters What's... that we've that we've signed? So there was that other there was that kid that came in, wasn't there? Um, in January, oh, there'll be loads, won't there? I can't remember his name for for love nor money. I'm sorry. I'm going to push you for a number now, please. If you've got extra one in there, do you want to say nine then? <laughs> Yeah, let's do, let's say nine. By my calculations, thanks to uh, Wikipedia, I make it 11. Oh, who did we miss out? Oh, so, uh, you missed out the signing of Miles Roberts uh, in January from Reading. Of course, remember that. Toby Stevenson, uh, who played, of course, in the League Cup this year. Uh, and uh, also in September, Maxwell Statham. I think uh, there was another one, wasn't there? They're the only ones I've got in my uh, research last right. night on their Wikipedia. So it was 11, but you did get yourself an extra eight points for naming all those signings. Next set of questions are win, lose or draw. If 2020 was a complete season, it would have had 39 league games and Watford would have gained 55 points. But how many wins did Watford get in 2020? Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> Does that, include, does that include cup games? It doesn't. This is league games league only. Games. Five points oh. being spot on, two points being one either side. Well, how many, how many have we got at the moment? Oh, we'll have to run through it. Who did we beat? So we've beaten Norwich, Birmingham. This is going to take forever. <laughs> well, actually, not that. Liverpool, Norwich, Newcastle. Did we beat anyone before? So Liverpool was February, wasn't it? Did we beat anyone yeah. in January? Beat Bournemouth in January. Oh, well done. Uh, Villa at home, was that in the new year? Oh, I think that might have been... I don't know if that was Christmas time. Yeah, Man United was Christmas, Christmas. wasn't it? 
Man United was just before Christmas. So Bournemouth, Liverpool, Newcastle, Newcastle and Norwich in the Premier League. So that's four in the Premier League. And then what we're saying this year, well, should we try and run through them? Um, Middlesbrough, Luton. Derby. Stoke and Coventry. So that's nine. Rotherham. Blackburn, 11. Norwich, 12. And Birmingham, 13. 13. Lucky for us, Mr Mooney. Let's go 13. It was 15. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> so no points in question five, because it's five being spot on and two for being one either side. Games you missed out, of course, were Wolves, which was oh, the was, first uh, win of the season. New Year's Day. Sorry. And the one you missed out was Preston. Uh, right, question, and maybe that last one will help you with this one. How many games did Watford lose in 2020? Remember, it's five points being spot on, two points being one either side. <laughs> yeah. With 15 wins, how many losses do you think we had out of 39 games? A lot. Uh, I reckon, I reckon, let, let, I reckon it's about 15 again. It's going to be a similar number, I reckon. Do it. 15. 15. It's 14, but you oh. get two points oh. for being one away. And of course, that leaves us with 10 draws. Question seven. How many league goals have Watford scored in 2020? Five <laughs> points being spot on, two points for being two either side of the actual answer. Can you again, tell us how many games we've played again in the league? 30, 39, wasn't it? So what I you reckon, reckon about one and a half a game. Average? Yeah, if, if that, yeah, so, well, yeah, one and a half. About if 50. Some of the win- is it that many? I want to say a bit less. Forty-five. Well, we had a couple. We've had a couple of threes and a four, haven't we? And we had the three against Liverpool. Yeah, uh, three against Bournemouth, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, three against Stoke, three against Blackburn, four against so Preston. Maybe fifty-five. All right, yeah, done. Fifty-five. <sighs> Mike said the answer. It was forty-five. Ah! <laughs> then no points on question seven. Number eight. How many teams have we played home and away in 2020? I'll give you five points for being spot on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, Bournemouth. So, prob- so doubles as it effectively. Yeah, right, we played both home and away. Was Norwich before Norwich. Christmas. Away in the Premier League. It was away, it? away was before Christmas. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to say um, I'm going to say one. Hang on. So who else? Oh, hang on. Tran- Tranmere. Did you say in the league? Or? No, I didn't say in the league. What's your final answer then? Two. That is correct. Five points. Well done, Michael. Question nine. Two to go. For five points, how many teams, beginning with B, have Watford played in 2020? Let's go Premier Premier League first. Brentford. Oh, sorry. Okay. Go on in. So Bournemouth in the Premier League. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yeah. And then Brentford. Brentford, Blackburn. Bristol Bur- City. Yeah, Birmingham. Barnes. Birmingham, Barnsley. Oh, Burnley in the Premier League. Oh, well done. Brighton. When did we play Brighton? First game of the season. Oh, away game was away game was when Mariapa scored that own goal. That was that was under Pearson. That was under Pearson. So that would have been that would have been January, I think, January or February time. Okay, so Bournemouth, Burnley, Brighton, and then Birmingham, Blackburn, Bristol City, Barnsley, Brentford. Eight. Is the correct answer. Get in there. All five points for all eight of those teams. Well done. Final question. Which Watford head coach took charge of the most number of competitive games in 2020? Five points for picking the right man. Ivic. I was going to say Ivic because, yeah. Just the number of games that just kept coming and coming and coming. Is the correct answer. That's in there. Well done, Vlad. Out of a possible 66 points, you scored 39. Not a bad score, lads. Not a bad We're score. We're staying up. We're staying up. With Are we going up? We know we've got a, a, a week off now. We've got a game against Swansea, then the FA Cup, and then we'll be back into it all. Uh, the, the relentlessness of the championship. After that, that game yesterday, Mike, well, yeah. let, 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 let's go back. After that Huddersfield game, did you think Watford were going to get automatic, would make the playoffs, or would just not be, have enough to even do that? I was flicking through the, 
the the program and there was pictures from Huddersfield and I thought it reminded me just how desolate it was you know not not Huddersfield it's lovely up there but um the 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 feeling after the the match we were all very very low weren't we me me in, in particular and at that point it felt like we were a long way from turning the the ship around but was it pains early to say this is only one game um but the the feeling about the team and the club feels very very different uh, already and I was speaking to to my dad on the way home from the the game yesterday I always called mum and dad on the walk back from the from the ground with a bit of a debrief and dad was saying not a great day really in terms of other results and I was I said well do you know what I'm not actually looking at other results I'm not actually looking at the table because I feel and have felt throughout the season that if this Watford side clicks, they will get promoted. And that's not analytical. That's not looking at who we've got to play when. Um, it's not looking about how other teams are performing. That's just my gut feeling about about Watford. If this team plays to their potential, they will get promoted. After Huddersfield, I thought we were, there was absolutely no chance that this team would do anything other than get mired in mid-table um, and and end up with some very, very difficult discussions having to be had at, at the end of the season. For the first time in a long time, I've seen the sort of little green shoots of recovery, the little embers are starting to turn into flames yesterday. And if they can build on yesterday, then I am I'm confident that this side, if they play to their potential, will be in with a massive, massive shout of getting promoted. We've taken it to the league leaders yesterday and we've beaten them. And I think Watford deserved the win. If they'd have taken the game to Nottingham Forest, if they'd have taken the game to Bristol City, if they'd taken the game to, to Barnsley, if they'd taken the game to Huddersfield, we would have had more points and it would have been us that was the league leaders yesterday. So we've shown what we should have done, I think. We need to carry on doing that. We haven't given ourselves that much room for, for error anymore. We need to now be very consistent for the rest of the season, which is obviously a massive ask. But I feel already far more comfortable and confident that we're at least going to give it a good go. And I didn't feel like that a week ago. I'm not worried about other teams. I'm focused solely on this side. I think they can do it. That's based on nothing else than looking at, looking at us. Jason, how do you feel now, though? Yeah, definitely feeling positive. I am going to bring other teams into it. Um, I, I know Norwich have got a little bit of a gap up there, but we've shown we can beat them, and, and they've got defeats in them. They lost to Luton, I think, before they started this five-game run they were on of all teams. So yeah, they can they can lose, and this this season does feel very championshipy for the championship. There's a lot of teams up there that have have lost a lot of games uh, but yet still find themselves up in the mix so i think if we as mike says we just keep doing our own thing the other teams will slip up slip up every now and again and we will find ourselves in or about the uh, the danger zone at the right end of the table so that is the end of uh well uh, a very different year of doing podcasts from the rookie end it was a special year because it was our 10th birthday uh, and we've done a fantastic week of podcasts which you can go back and listen to if you haven't done yet we had the fantastic live commentaries uh for colin to fill that void of the season being on hold and, and many we weren't even sure if it's going to come back at all uh, and that was a much better season because in that season that colin commentated on watford stayed up but Mike, it, it has been a, a a weird year. It's been a it's been a really difficult difficult year, and I'm, I'm always reminded when we when we talk about football on the podcast, it's lovely for us to be able to do it. You know, we've made amazing friendships which have got stronger again this year. But I'm always reminded, this year more than ever, that there is a there's a world out there outside football, and a, a lot goes on that, that that's that's difficult. And this year has been. Awful for for virtually everyone. Some for a lot worse than others, and it's not one that we will be uh, sorry to see the the back of at all. So, well done to everyone for getting through it. Um, thank you to everyone that's that's listened to all the podcasts through it. Some, uh, you know, the incredible stuff from Colin, for example, in the in the in the made up commentaries. So, thank you to everyone for sticking with us. 
um, during what was a, a, a nasty, nasty year. We, it's great that we're going into the new year feeling this this positivity. Everything I said about the, the ground yesterday, it feels like a corner is being turned at the football club and hopefully a, a, a corner is being turned in the wider world as well. And we'll have, this time next year, we will have much better things to, to talk about, whether Watford go up or not. That really isn't the, the, the most important thing. If we're all here, happy and healthy in a, in a year's time, then I think we'll uh, we'll have done well and we'll have a lot to be to be grateful for. So great that Watford are looking looking up. Hopefully everyone stuff's looking up for everyone and, and I can't stress it enough. Thank you to everyone for, for sticking with us. Thank you for all the all the feedback. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you for sticking with Watford. They're what they're the glue that bind us all together. We love them through through thick and thin. Uh it's been a, a tough year, a tough, tough, horrible year. Um but uh, there's another one ahead of us and uh yeah i think we can look forward to it with uh, with some anticipation thank you for listening to if you listen to one episode or all 79 episodes uh, that we put out in 2020 79 uh, yeah <laughs> thank you very much michael <laughs> yeah more than welcome come on your horns merry christmas happy new year and of course you know stuff is sticking it's still difficult out there so do feel free to to hit us up if you're if you're struggling or want a chat or anything i know a lot of people make that offer but it's a it's a genuine offer um if you're if you're finding it difficult get in touch we're we're all here and, and always happy to talk and thank you jason I can't believe you didn't put the number of podcast question on the uh, quiz. Of <laughs> course, a massive thank you uh, to Adam Leventhal, old friend, uh, but now uh, a big member of the team here on From the Rookie End, uh, and all his help uh, and content and the tremendous, well, basically helping us increase our coverage for you as Watford fans. And a, a, an extra special thank you to everybody, uh, especially DCW at The Athletic, who have been massive support for us uh, this year to help us make us bigger and better and hopefully not badder as a podcast for you the Watford fans thank you also to Colin to DCW to Geordie to Kieran uh, and to basically anybody who's contributed to this podcast and there have been many many and many Arlo he'll kill me if we don't say well done Arlo <laughs> come on you horns <laughs>